This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And welcome to the Vedic Wisdom. Thank you for being with us today. I'd like to talk to you about focused intelligence. Those of you who listen to our program, you understand, I believe, that the Vedic knowledge teaches that the experience in the human form of life, that you have mind, intelligence, and ego that are covering the spirit soul. And the spirit soul is energizing those components which is thereby energizing the physical side of the body which is made of earth, water, fire, air, and ether. But the mind, intelligence, and the ego are subtle forms, very subtle forms, that the living entity works with. Now the mind is either your best friend or your worst enemy. If it's bridled and it's under your control and you're getting consistent expression through your mind as opposed to distraction, your mind becomes your best friend and your intelligence needs to be educated. Now this is where we come to the point of what is knowledge what is actually knowledge classified as education? What is the source of that knowledge? And how does one recognize that knowledge? Now, in the Vedic literature, it talks about the process of yoga being to control the mind and enlighten the intelligence. And we have to approach a bona fide spiritual master who is in the disciplic succession and has been empowered by the Supreme Lord with that level of intelligence. Just back to the same concept, you can't give what you don't have. And the spiritual master has that higher intelligence. Therefore, he's able to give it. Now, I'll take a little bit of a sidetrack here and we'll get back to our subject of clarifying and purifying the intelligence. Now, the point here is, it's very easy for people to be cheated by someone who's telling you, oh, I have that knowledge. And if you serve me, surrender to me, uh, give me things, pay me a fee, whatever it might be, I'll impart that knowledge. Now, if someone does not know it's pretty easy for him to think he's getting that ultimate knowledge. So it's vitally important for anyone in spiritual life to, let's say, do your homework. You need to inquire from multiple points of view, not just, oh, he says I'm a guru or he says I'm a, a galler. This is not enough. People say they get a little bit of knowledge and they profess to have all of it. But the real spiritual master is empowered in the line of disciplic succession and he is assigned by his spiritual master and he is empowered by God, by the supreme personality of Godhead to deliver that knowledge to you and the prerequisite condition is only one and that is not to deviate nor distort that knowledge. Okay? So if you're on a spiritual quest, if you're trying to wake up from this material manifestation, mess that we're in, nonsense that's going on, you want a higher fulfillment.
You're looking to reawaken the beautiful side of your consciousness and open your mind and get it under control of the intelligence. You do need an empowered, bona fide spiritual master. End of story. So be advised, there's a lot of people professing something they're not in this world. Now, I'm sure you see that on a daily basis. <laughs> but we're talking about in the spiritual conception of life, too. That the same thing is prevalent. People cheat in the name of religion, just as they cheat in the name of charities, or they cheat in the name of uh, information, or computer repair, or the list goes on and on and on. So... In the Vedic literature, it talks about what is real knowledge. Now, what we're looking for is coming out of the illusory conception of life where we fulfill our own desires and we consider that happiness. This is called material sense gratification. I taste something, feel something, see something, hear something, I enjoy it, that we go, ah, there, that's wonderful. That's called material sense gratification. That is not wonderful. That is temporary. Generally speaking, it really means you call it enjoyment because you're not suffering during that period of time. But real knowledge is when you're not incurring karma, you're not in the material conception, you're not enjoying your mind or your senses. You're actually engaged in spiritual activities. So this is what we're talking about now, is the intelligence being educated as to what is spiritual activities and can keeping the mind under control from distractions to serving and surrendering in the higher platform, selfless conception of action. If one is serious and is a quest for spiritual knowledge, the term is called Bodhi Yoga. Now, Bodhi means intelligence, and Yoga means mystic activities or mystic elevation. So, if one tries to elevate himself out of the material cycle of birth and death and return back home, back to Godhead, to the spiritual world in eternal bliss and knowledge, he has to take fully to devotional service to the Lord. It's called Krishna Consciousness. His actions are then called Bodhi Yogam. Right? In other words, this is the process by which one gets out of the material entanglement, the cycle of birth and death, the influences of the law of karma, and he becomes free from selfish desires. This is the platform called Bodhi Yoga. Now, the ultimate goal of the progress in devotional service is to become a sincere, selfless servant of the Supreme Lord Sri Krishna. That is the end. People don't know this, but that is the end. And therefore, to understand and reach that end, one must be associating with servants of the spiritual master and servants of the Lord and following the instructions of the bona fide spiritual master. In our case, that is his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. He is the undisputed empowered Acharya by the Supreme Lord for spreading this knowledge and giving everyone good intelligence. So you need to know that the goal is devotional service to Krishna. 
And once the goal is assigned, you can gradually make progress. But the point is, when you're actually on the path of service to Krishna, the ultimate goal is guaranteed to be achieved. It's not a matter of can you achieve it, it's only a matter of when. So when a person knows the goal of life, he tries to get away from this material sense gratification. He tries to control his mind so there's not just speculation, well maybe, perhaps, I wonder, let's wait and see, all those uh, temporary concepts. And he focuses on the nine processes of devotional service given by the spiritual master. So this is the gradual process following any one of, or all nine of, the processes of devotional service in your own way, with your own intelligence, with your own characteristics, with your own expression, but with the same selfless desire. Each of us has our own unique characters, qualities, principles, standards, understanding, history, etc. So we bring to the table a unique perspective of the service we're assigned. I could just assign two different people to go and wash a stack of dishes or pots. And one person would take one approach and another person would take a different approach. Oh, I'll do the pots first. I'm going to do the cups first. Oh, I'm going to do the plates first. So the uniqueness comes out in the service. But the service has to have the right attitude. That attitude of trying to intelligently fulfill the wishes of the Lord in his service for his satisfaction is Buddha Yoga. This is the transcendental consciousness. And from that transcendental platform, one does not receive karma. When you're doing something on the transcendental platform, you cannot be acting or reacting on the material platform. So therein lies a very significant key to one becoming a spiritually stable and advanced on the spiritual platform. From that position you can see, okay, I'm not doing material activities any longer, not because the activity has changed, but because the consciousness has changed. I'm no longer doing this for me. I'm not washing these dishes for me. I'm washing these dishes so they're available to serve transcendental spiritualized food to others because the Lord wants everyone to eat sanctified food. So it's a matter of the change in consciousness that makes the action material binding or spiritually liberating. And one's intelligence has to be trained so you see it, so your intent is altered. It's the intent which with we do things that is being noted by the Lord and which is determining our karma. It isn't so much the thing you do, it's the intent. So this Buddha Yoga is when your intelligence has been trained by the spiritual master, so the intent is of the highest order. It's unself-motivated devotional service to the Lord. At that platform, there is no contamination to the material modes of nature. There is no forcing one through the cycle of birth and death. It is completely free from these shortcomings. The next portion of this that is very important is, it's easy for someone to say, well, 
you can follow the instructions of the spiritual master, but the spiritual master isn't there all the time. And so this person is bound to come to that fork in the road, shall we say, where he's not sure what should I do or what should I not do. Where he has the right intent, he has the right desire, but he doesn't have the knowledge to be able to make an informed decision. Now, we've all been there, I'm sure. Well, what happens in this case? Well, let's take the two cases. The one is you're at the fork in the road and you don't know which way to go from a material point of view. And you take that same scenario from the spiritual point of view. In the material point of view, you can get it right or you can get it wrong. You take your best guess, your best inclination, your best re review of the circumstances, and you try to do the best you can. But on the spiritual platform, on the other side of things, if one is surrendered to the bona fide spiritual master, and if he's trying to do this as a service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it says here in this particular verse, I give them the instructions so that they may ultimately come to me without difficulty. This means the Lord gives you a clue or a guidance or a signal or a sign which way to choose. And you can surrender to this. You can actually make very rapid progress, even if you're not educated or fully aware of the facts or very intelligent. The issue is you have to be very sincere. Repeatedly throughout the Vedic literature and the teachings of Srila Prabhupada, this point comes up. It's the sincerity that makes the difference. The intent and the sincerity. The Lord is most impressed with your sincerity. And he's noting your intent. If your intent is pure and you sincerely want to do it, you can be absolutely guaranteed of all the support necessary that you can get through the, uh, the issues without difficulty. Now, this is the platform when one is free. He's free from the illusions and contaminations of the material world because he's constantly in a zone of coordination, cooperation with the Lord's desire. And when he hits a situation where he's not sure, the Lord assists him when he sincerely needs or wants to know, what should I do? People, there are many people, particularly the Christian religion, they say, oh, pray. Well, this is simply asking the Lord for guidance. Which way should I go? And this is what we're talking about here. That the Lord does carry what we lack. He is there to fulfill the gaps in our understanding or our decision making or our intelligence, whichever. When we show Him, we sincerely want to do this as a service for Him. And this is a point that I think you need to carry well, regardless of your religious beliefs or religious practices, that it's the sincerity. There are people that are running to God, oh, I want this, oh, I want that, now give me this, now give me that. That's not going to work. Your prayers are not going to be always answered. But if you are simply trying to understand and fulfill the wishes of the spiritual master and of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, that intent is what brings you to the Lord's attention. That's what makes your prayer reasonable. If it's selfish, it's not reasonable. 
If it's selfless, it gets priority. So we need to understand these simple things, but important things, with our intelligence. And the training of the intelligence in these various subject matters is called Bodhi Yoga. And this intelligence clarification and advancement comes from the spiritual master and the Vedic literature. And your role is to give up your selfishness and sincerely try to serve the Supreme. Then these concerns vanish. You don't have to worry. You don't need to be concerned. Is there another fork in the road? Well, the answer to that is, of course. There's always another fork in the road. Life is a decision-making process. We're constantly choosing because we've been awarded free will. So with that free will, there will be different inclinations. There will be different desires. There will be different assignments. And there will be decisions that need to be made. So for practicing, to develop, and to be mature in spiritual life, you have to become selfless. You have to try to understand the Lord's point of view. And you get this by training your intelligence with the instructions of the spiritual master and controlling the mind not to deviate or discredit that source of incoming knowledge. We are all very externally trained. We care about what we see, what we hear, what we read, or what we smell. We care from the external. We value that a lot. But we're not valuing those higher sensitivities, those higher inputs that are coming from the spiritual strata. This is another aspect along this very same line is the Vedic literature prescribes chanting the Maha Mantra and that the Maha Mantra is not a material sound vibration. It has its own potency that is ever-expanding and it's coming from the spiritual world. Now we know now you're listening to me on a radio and it's coming some distance to you. So we know that even material sound can be projected for quite some distance. Well, spiritual sound is far more potent. Well, the Maha Mantra is that type of an energy. It is that type of a sound vibration. And by hearing the Maha Mantra and repeating the Maha Mantra, it's shared. And more and more and more and more people are able to take the benefit of that higher vibration rate as it comes in from the spiritual world and it purifies everything it is not a material sound vibration so it overcomes and purifies material sound and material contamination so we have a great combination here by reading the Vedic literature and surrendering to the spiritual master offering him humble service He imparts knowledge into your intelligence. And the intelligence can then control the mind from all of the useless, senseless distractions of the senses and the environment. And incoming is the Maha Mantra, where the sound vibration purifies the contaminations of the mind and the senses and the intelligence so that the process becomes simpler. It's like 
turning off background noise so you can hear your stereo nicely. You've got a beautiful stereo, but somebody's got the TV playing too. You go turn off the TV, you can really appreciate that stereo. Similarly, you turn off all the external distractions of this material world so that you can hear the incoming transcendental sound vibration and it comes in clear and you can really derive the benefit of it. So by using the Maha Mantra and reading the Vedic literature and following the spiritual master's instructions and associating and interacting and working and making friendships with the spiritual master's disciples, these, these influences and these opportunities become crystal clear. And this is why it's stated here, it's called mystic elevation of the intelligence. Your intelligence is enlightened with mystic power, knowledge, and understanding where you can see things in proper perspective and the distractions have been turned off. And you have the ability to focus on your true devotional perspective of life and it becomes a plane, a platform, a position of stability that you can't be shaken off of. You simply have to keep your faith in the spiritual master. You simply have to listen and wait for the Lord to guide you. You simply have to be consistent, sincere, and determined, and you will continuously make advancement in spiritual life. And this human form of life is just long enough for you to reach total perfection before your body gives up and is not of use to you anymore. And the window of death becomes a great opportunity for you to return to the spiritual world and execute loving devotional service there eternally. Because you're very well practiced, you're very much under control, and when the senses and the mind turn off, your intelligence is strong and carries you back home, back to Godhead. This is a successful spiritual personality. Their platform has moved from material I want, I think, perhaps, maybe, to ultimately surrendered and completely comfortable and stable in the loving devotional service to the Lord. So the end of the material body becomes the window to spiritual eternal life. This is what the Vedic literature and the mercy of the spiritual master and the potency of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra guarantee for you. Please take up reading Bhagavad Gita as it is by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the empowered spiritual master, and chant the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You are guaranteed success through this process. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.